0: This is John Williams reaching out to our old friend, Teddy Roosevelt. President Roosevelt, are you there? I am here, and where are you today? Well, I'm, uh, I'm at WGN in Chicago, sir. Chicago is, of course, where the Bull Moose Party was launched in the summer of 1912. Well, that's kind of why I reached out to you, not not for that fact specifically. And by the way, you're on the same line that we use for Thomas Jefferson. So I want the people listening to this conversation to know that this is just a a maybe one-time conversation with you here. We normally talk to to Thomas Jefferson on this. Mr. Jefferson, although a gifted architect and the author,
1: of course, of the Declaration of Independence, Mm -hmm. was, in my opinion a man wholly unfit for the Presidency of the United States. Right. He's on Mount Rushmore with you, you know. Well, he purchased the Louisiana Territory, but of the four men on Mount Rushmore, and by the way, Lincoln was the greatest American President, and the second greatest was George Washington. Right. But of the four men on that mountain in Dakota, one, and I say only one, ever visited the state of South Dakota, and that was I.
0: Okay, well, you got that. Um, Here's why we reached out to you today, though, sir, for two reasons, really. One is you and I are going to be on the stage in the Chicago area at the College of DuPage at the Mackinich Performing Arts Center. They call it the Mac there. That'll be Saturday, August 13th at 10 a.m. August 13th? Yes. In in the College of DuPage? Yes, August 13th, 10 a.m. What will your role be, sir? I'll come out on stage, welcome everybody, then I'll introduce you. You and I will visit for a while, question and answer, and then the audience will ask questions.
1: Well, what sort of questions do you have in mind?
0: Here's the question I have for you today. So, stunningly, Great Britain has decided it no longer wants to be a part of the European Union. Uh, what do you think of that? What would Roosevelt think of that? What should... I don't even know what the question is. Well, the, th- the thing to keep in mind... Is that every nation
1: has something called sovereignty? It coins its own money, it conscripts troops in times of difficulty, it passes its own laws, it educates its own people, it manages its own economy. And sovereignty is essential to the success or even survival of many nations. And if, if you read the long history of Great Britain, you know that it has been menaced. A number of times from the continent, chiefly by Napoleon Bonaparte, but the English Channel has served as a sort of protective moat for England, and those who have had designs on that island nation have never successfully been able to invade it. And so I am in favor of British sovereignty, and I don't know why any nation, and certainly not the United States of America would yield a portion of its sovereignty to some larger union in which they they have to share a parliament with
0: the French and the Dutch and the Spaniards. Markets are crashing today. All around the world, including the U.S., opened up down 500 points.
1: Well, this will happen, of course. Once you shake things up in the world, there will be a, a brief economic reaction. But I believe that the, the British pound sterling, which was almost the key currency of the world in my time, will make a, make a comeback. And And let me say this, too, that the British Empire has kept the world at peace and in something like real order for several hundred years. And as the British Empire declines... The United States must fill that gap. Their nature abhors a vacuum, and I took some pride during my presidency in leading the United States into a position of world leadership, and as I think you know, I won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1906 for solving the
0: Russo-Japanese conflict in the right. Far East. Right. You've brought that up before. Well, so here's my worry, though. There's this trend of super nationalism It's what happened to Great Britain. France feels the same way. There's that stripe in America right now, and I, I, I wonder if Great Britain is a cautionary tale for the United States. If you want to be super independent and super nationalistic and not have immigrants come into your country, we've got a candidate selling that, and this worries me. Well, I can understand that. I'm I'm for immigration after all. The United
1: States was based upon immigration. My family has Dutch roots. Now that's what New York was, New Amsterdam be, before it became New York. But here was my policy as president John. If you are Irish or Slavic or German or Italian and you come to this country, You must not be a hyphenated American. When you come to this country, you must surrender your ethnicity and become a full-term, 100% American. And if you are a hyphenated American, an Irish American, or a German American, or an Italian American, go home. We only want people here who want to become full-on Americans in our language, in our constitutional customs,
0: and so on. I think that solves the problem. There's an ad in the Chicago Tribune promoting your arrival. It has a picture of you, and it says, Who do you want for president, Uh, a uh, a bombastic bragger or a career politician? How about both? I wonder of the two candidates who you would, in fact, be more similar to.
1: Well, of course, people like to draw a superficial Linkage between me and this Trump, because we 're outspoken, and we have outsized egos, I suppose you would say we 're larger than life figures, colorful figures and in in a certain way people who who have a little air of comedy about them, but that 's where the analogy breaks down. You know, I read a book a day all of my life, I read in five languages, I wrote forty books, and some of them are regarded by historians as American classics. I don't think that this Trump has read enough books. He doesn't seem to understand the the world situation. He doesn't know Mesopotamia and its roots. He doesn't know the history of North America or South America. And so it seems to me that to compare me to a man who is almost wholly uneducated in the ways in which every president must master the world would be a terrible
0: mistake, superficial connections aside. His uh, slogan is Make America Great Again. That sounds like something you would say. Did you have a slogan or a campaign theme? Yes, I, I called for a square deal. Oh, well, I've heard that line, but that was actually your campaign stump speech, huh? Well, it wasn't really my stump speech, but I do
1: believe that you can't... Guarantee that the cards will be dealt out equally to all people that's the nature of a card game after all but you can insist that the
0: dealer be honest and that nobody be pulling a card out from his sleeve maybe maybe instead of the ad i just described we should have you with the red baseball hat and it would have said made america great that would be outstanding or or helped america achieve its mighty greatness Right. Yeah, that's that's maybe a little longer than the hat can handle, but uh, you get the idea. And you would not have been adverse philosophically to a woman as president, would you? No, I was a feminist, if you'd like to call it that. Do you know that my
1: senior thesis at Harvard, from which I graduated magna cum laude, mm-hmm. was on women. And suffrage, and I became known as the first major male political figure in this country to advocate full suffrage for women. And I received in the 1912 presidential campaign the first electoral college vote ever cast by a female. So I believe that this is an area where not only was I greatly in advance of that Princeton professor, Woodrow Wilson, who was a sexist and a chauvinist, But I believe that
0: women should be able to hold any job that a man holds if they can hack it. Okay, you and I are going to be on stage Saturday, August 13th at 10 a.m. at the MAC at the College of DuPage. And tickets go on sale or went on sale, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, Tuesday, June 28th. And the details, if tickets are available still are at WGNRadio.com slash events. This sounds wonderful. You know, I think if you introduce me and then I give a, say, a,
1: an 85 or 90-minute stump speech, how about that? <laughs>